Welcome to Enduring Christianity. I'm Billy Heyer, and this is our conversation on Love Disciplines. I find it often that the message of the gospel is regularly kept in the restraint to only what we consider to be good news. It's easy to hear and receive the news of good things such as salvation, forgiveness of sin, and an eternity in paradise, all which are true and a part of the good news. But if this is all of the news we hear and listen to, then the good news is being limited to the tickling of our ears and will likely lead us to living a life oblivious to experiencing the love of God through His discipline. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read something that shakes the ease to that comfortability. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 7, and then 6, Endure hardship as discipline. God disciplines us for our good, in order that we may share in His holiness. My son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline, and do not lose heart when He rebukes you, because the Lord disciplines the one He loves, and He chastines everyone He accepts as His son. Often, we tend to limit the experience of our earthly hardships as only a frustrating inconvenience to what we simply want in order to have an easier life. And I believe if we're all honest with ourselves, we would agree with that. And while you or I may have a longing to have the result of more discipline in our life, I believe I can confidently say that few to none of us have ever raised our hand or pushed other people to the side just for the opportunity to be chastened by the Lord. And as for hardships in our lives, I believe we all instinctively run away, or at the very least resist them at any given opportunity. But yet the book of Hebrews encourages us to endure hardships as God's loving discipline. The very thing of what is frustrating, the very thing of what we do not desire, hardship is the opportunity for God's loving discipline in our lives a discipline of which Hebrews describes in verse 11 as not going to be pleasant, but painful. Or in other words, it's not going to be what you naturally consider to be good. It's going to be frustrating, painfully frustrating. But if you and I endure them, as it continues on in verse 11, with a posture of being trained by it, the result will be good news. Trained by it. A very key phrase here. Trained by it giving a purpose to the why we are enduring it, not just experiencing it. And the purpose is stated in verse 10 and 11, that we may share in His holiness, producing a harvest of righteousness and peace. The hardships of our life may not perfectly reflect the hardship of another's lives, and we should certainly not limit what we consider to be relatable just because of the outward experience. Often the outward experience is quite different. However, inwardly, we may all be experiencing something very similar, hardship. And I hope that it is in the hardship we can more often begin to relate with one another, encouraging one another to endure them as God's loving discipline and becoming more like Christ. This story I'm about to share is a true story in my life, a story of which I believe reflects the enduring of hardship with the result of God's loving purpose. I was curled into a fetal position, laying on the shower floor, as the warm water falling down on my body also washed away my tears, my chest heaving with sorrow in a way that was uncontrollable and no amount of crying could satisfy. The world as I knew it 
seemed to not only be crashing down on me, but had already done so, and I was just amongst its rubble. There came a moment when the tears stopped, and only strange sounds of anguish were involuntarily coming forth from my mouth. I was broken. I was lost, and a sense of hopelessness overwhelmed me to the point of utter fear. I was in hardship. How long I laid on the shower floor, I cannot remember, but one thing I do, I was paralyzed and unable to even help myself. Where is God's love, I wondered. Over the next few days, thoughts of suicide began to increasingly intrude my mind, as if once a secure fortress was now being breached by a foreigner. The rational side of who I was would never contemplate thoughts of suicide with any sort of follow-through. But yet the sensation of death, the desire for death, was like a heavy blanket suffocating me in a way that I could not remove its presence or desire to be fulfilled in me. My wife knew I was struggling, but I don't think she or I truly knew of the power that was against me, the hardship I was enduring. Because for most of my life, I had always been keen on the enjoyments of life. But the concern reached a new level of awareness when one day, without telling anyone, I left the house and went for a walk. Now, going for a walk is not abnormal, but doing so without telling anyone in the pouring rain? That's not normal. For some reason, I remember purposely leaving my phone behind. Maybe in some way, it was a cry for help, but in the same way, a sense of saying, I don't want to be found. At some point, my wife saw my phone laying on the kitchen island where I had left it, and then also realized I wasn't around. Thankfully, her spirit prompted her to search my web browser, and when she did, she found my last search to be one for suicidal help. Combining this realization, along with I was gone and not knowing where I was, my car still in the driveway, my wife, along with our two young boys, jumped in the car in an attempt to find me. I had only been walking for around 15 minutes at this point, just wandering in the rain on a nearby country road we live off of. I saw them from a distance through the rain as they drove slowly approaching. I could hear their voices of concern yelling out my name from their windows in an attempt to find me. When I first saw them, I felt relieved. They were coming to rescue me. They were coming to love me. In the core of me, I remember thinking how grateful I was that they were coming to find me because although something was driving me to be alone, I knew I needed help. But still, an ulterior sensation within me did not want to be found. Before they could reach me, while a hill in the road separated their view of me, I decided to quickly run off of the road and hide in the tree line. As I watched them drive by in their concern, I hidden in the trees. I found myself once again, like I was in the shower, crying as the water, only this time from the sky, washed away my tears and my sadness, fading into fear. The last place I needed to be was alone, and thankfully after some more time had passed, my family drove back a second time, and this time I allowed them to find me. My wife knew the seriousness I was struggling with, but I can only imagine my two young boys were only more concerned than could understand. After that day, my wife and I had one of the more serious heart-to-heart conversations our marriage had ever encountered up to that point. And thankfully, my wife is a rock.
of love and caring support. She not only listened, but spoke plainly with me and also prayed with me. My suicidal thoughts did not just go away immediately. They stuck around for some weeks to come, but yet still in random moments unexpectedly over the next several months, they seemed to creep in their way back into my mind and I had to face them once again. I do not understand how a scenario like this could happen to me, a person who generally enjoys life. The cause of what triggered all this into motion became overshadowed by the reality of what it was causing, the temptation of death. But for the sake of not leaving you wondering, the cause of my struggle was that both my wife and I had simultaneously lost our jobs. Not only a job, but a career we loved and were grateful for, a career we were gifted in and enjoyed. And in a simple, single moment of life, for me, it went from only great things to come to where did everything go? Life and death for me was no longer a metaphoric at this point, but a personal testimony of experience. The words of the Bible that speak about life and death, dying to self and an identity in Christ became ever so more real to me. When I experienced suicidal thoughts, it was as if I desired what it desired, and its fuel to kill me was to threaten me with the loss of worldly possessions and status, all reasons for which I now scoff at. But at the moment, they threatened my very existence. And suddenly, the words of Jesus and the book of Matthew, of which I have heard many times, became real. They became not just heard, but experienced. And it comes from the parable of the seed. Listen then, Jesus said, to what the parable of the sower means. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word. That had been me up to this point. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. That was me as well. The worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth and status threatened me to be unfruitful to the point of death. After some research on grieving, I came to find out that on the scale of grieving, following after the loss of a loved one was the loss of a career. Even though I related to this information and it felt comforting to know that what I was going through was maybe more serious than I did before, it was still hard for me to believe. How could a career loss be right up there with losing a loved one? But at some point, I came to an important conclusion. The cause of my sorrow had become insignificant to the reality of what the cause was causing. The career was behind me, chronologically speaking, but I was carrying with me the death of a life I once knew, and along with it, a death to a life I had hoped for. A hope that was fueled by financial freedom and personal success and recognition. The cause of my suicidal thoughts looking back were founded on the reality of the comforts of this world being stripped from me. The identity I had in my job, the money I made, and the skills I had to represent myself were all taken away. My identity was lost, and therefore I felt lost. For the first time in my life, I was threatened. I had no idea who I was, what my purpose was. I had grown up as a Christian all of my life in a Christian home my dad a pastor, and later myself a missionary and worship leader. I love God, I love the church, and I knew he loved me. 
All I knew from birth is that God is good and that my hope is placed in Jesus as my Savior, the one who loves me. But it was not until the loss of my career that my heart was lovingly exposed at a depth I did not know was there. Although prior to me losing my career, I would have confidently said, my identity is in Jesus Christ. It was not until this experience I could no longer as confidently say it as a fact of where my identity was and as much as where my identity should be. This was my first great insight to what would forever become continual understanding of importance for me. It may not seem clear to you yet, but for me, this was my first clear view of love and frustration. Losing my career, to say it minimal, an incredible frustration. But what to me was frustration was simultaneously God's incredible love. It was a love that was willing to not only go through anything for my righteousness, but also lead me through anything for his righteousness. A life that truly stood on the identity in Christ and no longer my own. And this is what he was teaching me, a very painful, frustrating, agonizing lesson to learn. Limited to the nearsightedness of earthly circumstances, the painful frustration of a career loss was real. But in the spiritual essence, I was being trained to gain something much greater. I was being trained to remove an identity in myself and into an identity in Christ. I came to realize an identity in Christ cannot be limited to only something I speak about or sing about. It is something at times will require immense discipline and endurance to remain in it. No one chooses by their own will to encounter enduring circumstances. But nonetheless, everyone experiences them at one point or another. The question is not if you will have hardships in your life, but how will you endure them? And as a Christian, how we endure our frustrations, no matter how great or how small, will either grow us into Christ-likeness or separate us from it. We will either lean into Christ for His help, or we will blame Him in our frustrations and leave Him in the dust, saying, how could this hardship happen? Where is God? Unless God was there to lead me through this time, I cannot honestly say what might not have happened. What was the thought of, where is God? Later became the realization of, He was there all along. Looking back, God did not rescue me from death without first assuring I tasted death. I no longer taste death in just the extreme scenarios of life, but also in the subtle. I taste it now in the moments when patience is required, standing behind a slow shopper in the grocery store, or when I experience an annoying driver in traffic. I taste it when I feel the urge to anxiously insist on my own way or when I begin keeping a record of wrongs against someone to later justify my anger towards them. Because death, spiritually speaking, is the absence of Christ. And life is to abide in the identity of Christ. Life is God, a love that endures all things for the sake of Christ's likeness. I am thankful that God has redeemed me and has rescued me from death. Like never before could I now say, It is no longer I who lives, but Christ in me. It is a reality of life that came from the spirit of Isaiah chapter 48, verse 10. Behold, I have refined you, but not as silver. 
I have tried you in the furnace of affliction. God is love, and as Christians, our greatest desire is to be trained in His likeness. I and you are both naturally sinful and selfish people, and in order to be led by the good news of God's love, we are going to have to allow our selfishness to be challenged by God's loving discipline. But be prepared. To challenge your selfishness is to endure your own frustration. But let us endure it with the hope and joy of James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfected and complete, lacking in nothing. I want to end this time with thanking you for your support of this platform, Enduring Christianity. It is our hope that God uses this platform to encourage you in your daily walk with Christ. If the message of Enduring Christianity is speaking into your life, please help us to share it with others as well. You can do this by simply subscribing to this podcast and sharing it with the people you love. This Monday, we will be releasing our first longer episode, which will be a testament interview from your fellow believer in Christ. As we speak with Wes from North Carolina, as he shares with us a whole new depth to, it's important that we speak his name. I'm Billy Heyer, encouraging you to endure in all circumstances. Have a blessed day.